Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rob Gronkowski to TMZ. I'm not ready to commit to the game of football right now. What does that mean? We're going to break all of that down. I'll tell you about Blaine Gabbert's contract situation as well. We've got your mailbag questions coming up. 100% guaranteed to be answered correctly. you got to hang on for that as well as Manuel Margot gets a new contract. So let's start with Gronk, which I think you know the general belief is anyway that if he does play, um, he will only play in Tampa Bay. I think we're fairly confident that that would be the case. It was interesting because, you know, the thing about Gronk is that, you know, he's very social. He was out there. He had this uh, sort of football camp, I think, um, over the weekend. Tom Brady was there. Uh, it was down in, uh, I want to say it was down in Naples someplace. Um, and so sometime after that, uh, he was on with TMZ. It didn't seem like they, it wasn't a paparazzi type of thing. They actually got him for something. And he started talking about, you know, his future, the lack thereof. He talked about how, um, you know, he was at the camp, but he, he didn't catch passes. He threw passes. And his comment was that I knew if I started catching some passes, then my head would have started turning like, oh, crap, I got to go back on the field. And right now I'm not ready to get back on on that field. I'm not ready to commit to the game of football right now. And I I think that the right now part is what we've been harping on. Um, and listen, he, he may very well stay retired because – he certainly accomplished everything he needs to. He's got a Hall of Fame career. He res- he retired once, as did Brady, as it turns out. But he has let Brady go on without him, and he could do it again. Uh, you know, last year, the first time, he, you know, first season he was here, played all all the games. Um, it was remarkable uh, that he got himself back into shape. Last year, missed five games with a rib injury, still caught fifty five for eight hundred two and six touchdowns. I mean, he was very effective when he played. Um, I just think that a year ago he re-signed on March 22nd. Now, remember, they had won a Super Bowl. He had no injuries, and Tom was definitely going to play. This year, for 40 days and 40 nights or so, he didn't know maybe what Brady was going to do, and it looked for all the world. Well, Brady had, in fact, said he was retired. I mean, that that's what Gronk and everybody else had to believe. I had heard, and I don't know if it's true, but I, I was under the impression that Gronk was going to retire as well. And it made sense, right? Because you go in with Tom Brady, sort of your whole career has been spent with him. He talks you back into football. You win a Super Bowl. You play another year. If, if Brady retires, you're out too. And you'll see them both on the steps of Canton, Ohio in five years. They go into the same you know, Hall of Fame class as first ballot guys. So it, it seemed like they were linked up that way. And then Tom changes his mind. And I don't think Gronk was ready for that to happen. I think, you know, much like Tom, I mean, his business acumen is incredible. He has a ton of opportunity all over the place. You know, high GPA in, in, in business administration in Arizona. Word is he never spent a dime of, of football money. He's sort of lived off the money that he's made in endorsements and other business ventures and so on. So I, I think it's a real reset for him. Not to mention, you know, I mean, this is the guy that, you know, the first year when they were doing the Zoom workouts and stuff, you know, he would 
changed his shirt five times to make sure that, you know, it looked like five different workouts. Um, there's no rush for him. There really isn't. He can, he can wait until after the draft. He can wait until after OTAs, which he doesn't plan on going to. He can take it right up until the mandatory minicamp. And if he had to, he could wait until after that. So I think, I think we're in for sort of a, maybe a longer, a longer period of time before Gronk actually announces his decision than we anticipated. And I think a lot of it is just because he wasn't ready for Brady to, to decide he was back. Um, and you know, he, I, I saw just, uh, on, on the internet that Gronk is even having like a draft party, wherever the draft is, is just in Vegas or somewhere. Yep. Um, you know, he's, he's got that, that going on. So he's, he's living his best life, man. And he's doing what, what, what a Gronk should do in the off season. He doesn't want to think about football. He doesn't want to think about, about playing right now. And, um, you know what? Good for him. I, I personally am not sure. I, I think, I think that he put the keys on the table once, came back, and put them down again. And I, I don't know if you, you usually say you can't pick him up once. How do you pick him up twice? It just this feels like he's not going to play to me. But I have nothing to base that on. Well, and also knowing the injuries he went through this year, right? You know, I mean, you came out of retirement, you got another ring with Tom Brady, you came close the second year, although you had a heck of a year injury wise. Yeah. Do you want to go through that again? Mm. I mean, how many? He's got well, how many rings already? How many millions? He's got four. You know, he retired once, came back, presumably for Tom and for himself too. But yeah, you know, he was probably in his mind done. That's what I think. I mean, you know, there was always the speculation of Buffalo because that's his hometown, or he made some great comments about Joey Burrow, and so you know, maybe Cincinnati. But I don't think any of those were really real. I think he was probably in his mind really ready to retire. It feels that way, and that's the information I had gotten before Tom decided to come back. And again, there, there is, there is no like this is the one guy, the one position. Even I mean, the Bucks are going to have to address tight end simply because you know they let OJ Howard walk. He's in Buffalo. Speaking of tight ends in Buffalo, right? He's in Buffalo. So there's there's a pretty good indication Gronk wasn't going to Buffalo because they wouldn't have bothered getting OJ Howard there. Um, and you know, the, they're down to Cam Brate and what Cody McElroy or whatever. Like they need tight ends, so they very likely will draft one some point uh, coming up here in the draft. May uh, what is it, uh, April twenty eighth through thirtieth, and but that wouldn't stop Gronk, right? Because whoever comes in is a rookie and that sort of thing. I just, I just don't know that he that 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 he's mentally or I know physically he's taking a risk. I mean, his family didn't think he'd play the you know come back the first time, much less again. Uh, he's he's at this point where he's a series of you know one year deals. He gets between eight and nine million dollars on the field. He makes a ton of it off, and he could make even more. The funny thing is, is that a lot of these guys by playing football, they're at the point now, and I think Brady is there too, where you know Tom's making twenty five million a year, or forty million, whatever you know the contract breaks down like, and he he could he could probably make more money off the field if he didn't play football. You know, if he wasn't using six months of the year to be consumed in this crazy game uh, and he could go out and, and pursue other business opportunities. So now they're at, they're at that stage of their careers. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, he hasn't said, he hasn't said he's not playing. And until he says, look, I'm done. Um, but Drew Rosenhaus's agents and others have said like, he's, he's really undecided. Like this is not a, uh, you know, this isn't a leverage thing. This isn't a sort of, you know, 
cloak and dagger, make them wait, make them sweat. I'm really coming, wink, wink, nod, nod. Everybody knows, but I'm not going to tell you, Tom. I think he truly isn't sure whether he wants to play. And, you know, guys like Gronk, guys like Brady know what it takes for them to play. And quite frankly, you know, Gronk stays in pretty good shape in the offseason. But, you know, if, if he knew he was going to play, he he might be doing different things right now. So um, it's one of those we really don't know. But it's an interesting uh, interview. If you want to check it out on TampaBay.com, TMZ got a hold of Gronk after that um, that football camp down in Naples or whatnot. The other news uh, with the Bucks, and I, I posted this on TampaBay.com. You know, everybody is is asking, like, okay, so now what are they really doing with the backup quarterback? I mean, we knew um, if Tom hadn't come back, it was going to be probably Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask, you know, fighting it out to see who was going to be the starter. Uh, they said they would bring in, you know, they have to have four quarterbacks, maybe another veteran like a Teddy Bridgewater or somebody, you know, he went to Miami, might have been the guy to come in and compete. But Gabbert was going to get a really good look to start. And Bruce Arians is, you know, not even arguably, the biggest Blaine Gabbert fan. He thinks uh, that he can still play. He's, you know, 32, 33 years old, whatever. Um, you know, kind of got into a couple games in mop-up duty the last two years for Brady. Played okay when he was in there. But right now, as it stands, the guys under contract are Brady this year alone. Trask, who is in his second year, didn't play at all as a rookie, never even got a helmet. And then they re-signed Ryan Griffin to a one-year deal, which is just basically a minimum deal. So you're going to bring four quarterbacks to camp. You need that many with the volume of throwing that there is and practicing every day. And I was kind of wondering, like, you know, maybe, maybe the Bucks are looking at a different guy or maybe Gabbard has something um, that's more attractive to him. And, it, and listen, it had to be a bit of a come down for him because he was, like I said, uh, up until, you know, Tom let us all know that he was back uh, – Gabbert was probably thinking, I got a fair chance to start on this football team, which is a pretty good team. Now it's even better because the free agents have come back, but Gabbert is absolutely, on this football team, going to be the number two. I think he probably would be anyway. I don't know that there's a situation, but teams are going to probably wait till after the draft to see if they get their quarterback, their rookie quarterback, because they're all trying to fill out rosters too. Most of them will go to camp with four quarterbacks. What I heard was that, that they were apart, like significantly apart, from a salary standpoint, Gabbert likely thought that they were lowballing him a bit. Now he didn't make a ton of money last year. I think he got two million dollars, basically, um, which isn't a lot for a number two quarterback in this league these days. But then again, Tom Brady never misses games. I mean, the one season that he tore his ACL is literally you know the only time he missed games other than when they didn't play their starters or something because they had the division and the playoffs and their seating locked up. So I don't know what leverage Blaine Gabbert had or has on the Bucks, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know if there's another team which is which would be helpful for him. Um, I think the biggest leverage he has, quite frankly, is that Tom Brady wants him to be his backup. And these quarterbacks now, guys like Peyton Manning, I think I told the story where Jim Sorge uh, was Manning's guy and nobody was going to come in there and take his job, whether he performed well in preseason or not. I kind of get the feeling that Brady, you know, we, we've, seen, we've seen the Bucks re-sign almost everybody that's been on the team the last two years that was a free agent. And... I think it's more than likely that Brady would want Gabbert, who helped teach him the offense, to come back as well. So in checking around a little bit, um, you know, on Tuesday, uh, it, the belief is, at least from the Bucks that they're not that far apart. So I would expect this, this to actually happen. I would think that Gabbert will be their number two. And, um, and, and you know what? I, let me amend that. 
Gabbert will be signed as if he's their number two. And then you got to give Trask an opportunity to try to take that job or compete for it. I don't think he wins it, at least not initially. Um, if something were to happen to Brady and there was a long-term situation, you know, then you'd look at both Trask and Gabbert. But I just think for, you know, for the last two years, Gabbert has been Brady's wingman. And other than at the boat parade, of course, that's Ryan Griffin's job. But he's he's been his wingman. I don't see that changing. I think I think Gabbert's going to be back. And the Bucks are encouraged that uh, they think they've they've begun to narrow the gap, whatever that means. Uh, we'll see what he signs for. All right. So in Ray's news, you know, it was interesting. A lot of people were kind of, and I've gotten these uh, letters today. Uh, people ripping the Rays. One guy in particular, Paul. You know who you are. <laughs> uh, saying that, ah, oh, here they go. They're just cheap. You know. Uh, why can't they be like the Marlins? The Marlins went for it a couple times and won two World Series. Our guys haven't won any. Well, that first of all, the Marlins did win, win a couple World Series. It seems like a hundred years ago. Um, it was a long time ago, and I think this franchise has put itself in a position to have success every year. They're 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 on a roll right now where they could win, you know, be in the playoffs for the fourth straight time. They've got you know two American League titles, one American League title, been to the World Series in the last two years. So let's see about that. But the, the narrative was, oh, they're just cheap. They can't afford, you know, here they go. The guy, guy, you know, has a good year. He's going to make a little money in a year or so. Let's dump him before he gets the big salary and they're cheap. Well, you know, I, I don't know that you can say that they're cheap because they just went out and signed Manuel Margot to a long-term extension. Austin Meadows was going to make $4 million this year. Right. That was not right. about the money. Right. It was all about they have too many outfielders. He was the weakest one defensively. And they wanted to make room for Josh Lowe. Now, whether they got a, a good enough haul back for him, that's up to debate and time will tell. Sure. They got a draft pick and then a, you know, he's, uh, Paredes. So we'll see on that. But, you know, the, the reasons for what they did, I understand. If you think Austin Meadows was too valuable for this lineup? Okay, that's a fair argument. I mean, he drove in 100 runs last year, led your team in home runs a year before that. Sure, he's a great hitter. And and but the Rays in you know what they look for, defense is a big part of that. And you know, Austin Meadows at this point was just going to be a right or a, a DH. And he's in, you know, there's a lot of left-handed bats in this lineup. And if you're not going to play the field, it becomes hard and when you're trying to bring a young guy up. I mean, it's the same reason they traded Willie Adamas. Yeah. You know, they wanted to bring Wander Franco up. Mm-hmm. You know, How's but, he doing? But is he any good? <laughs> you know, it's probably part of the reason they traded Joey Wendell. I mean, you want to see more of Vidal Brujan and Taylor Walls and, you know, all yeah. these prospects you've got coming up. Yeah. You know, that's all part of it is, is you know, sometimes you get in that log jam. I, the Austin Meadows thing was not about being cheap. If you're disappointed as a fan because you like Austin Meadows, that's fine. That's your right, and absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and as a Rays fan, it can be tough when you see your favorite players traded time and time again. That's right. That, that it is. That's tough as a fan. It absolutely mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you go buy jerseys, you go buy you know of, of the players, and then they're gone. Yep. You know, now that happens more places than here. But I think it's encouraging when you see the Rays make a long-term, I mean, 12-year commitment to Wander Franco. Huge, yeah. I mean, they're showing you that they're not, they know a new stadium's coming. 
and at some point I think a new TV deal, although I don't know the specifics of that. And so they're willing to spend the money if they believe it's the right player for the right. I mean, you know, how many of these big contracts in baseball do you see that teams are just, you know, hung out to dry with because the contracts are too big for a player that's well past their prime? Right. You know, Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, Joey mm-hmm. Votto. Although Joey Votto has actually done pretty well. It just does nothing Still around. Still mashing, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, all these guys that got 10-year deals for huge money that are hitting, you know, upper 30s and 40 by the end of the contract, and, and they're not worth that money anymore. You know, the Rays definitely don't operate that way. Right. No, and I and listen, the, the, the best thing that you just said there was that you have to provide opportunity if you think you have a younger, better player who isn't going to get any better staying in Durham. I mean, the reality is is that Josh Lowe is a guy that they have a lot of – has a lot of upside and, and, you know, could end up being part of this young nucleus that, you know – is going to carry them hopefully to a World Series or two. And they believe and he's ready. They think he's ready. So you have to trust their evaluation. Listen, it happens in football. Not as I mean, we don't really mm-hmm. think about it as much because there's a salary cap. But honest to goodness, I mean, when the Glazers, when they went three years without a salary cap, the first thing they did was dump free agents. And they dumped Derek Brooks and mm-hmm. Cato June and so on and so forth. You still do it in football if you want to clear the deck for a younger player. You know, and, and, and really you have to do it. Like you have to move on from veteran players. For example, Jason Pierre-Paul. I'm sure they'd love to have Jason Pierre-Paul on this football team. Absolutely sure of it. He's inspirational. Um, you know, he when he's healthy, which has been a question of late, um, but nonetheless uh, he can play the run, he can play the pass, he's a complete player, you know, got all the stripes on his shirt, the whole thing. Okay, the problem is you drafted Joe Tryon Shoinka in the first round a year ago, and he played a good bit of ball last year as a rookie and played well when he played. So if you bring back Jason Pierre-Paul, you're not going to bench him, and all you're doing is slowing the development of what you, know, what you hope is going to be a perennial Pro Bowl player if he can just get into the game. Sometimes you just have to let guys play. You know, They're not going to get better on the sideline. They can only get... And in baseball, you can only get so many at-bats in AAA before you really do need to face big league pitching and then get out and then make the adjustments and come back and, you know, fail and, and, and find your groove again at the major league level. You can't do that if you keep putting people in front of them. And, and that's what Meadows was. I mean, Meadows um, had a great year from a, a, a bat standpoint, drove it over 100 runs. I mean, he was, he was really good. Um, and he's a likable guy, and I get why people are upset about it, but – you got to be thrilled that they have somebody as good as as uh, Josh Lowe to put in that lineup that they feel is going to fill his shoes and maybe then some. You know, they're dealing from strength and it's not about the money because they're starting they're, they're spending money. They've locked up their players, their younger guys and they just did it um, you know, just did it the other day. Uh so, yeah, I I understand, and I, I feel worse for Meadows than I do for the race cuz he's got to go to the Tigers, maybe that team will turn it around. They gave the race some fits uh, a year ago in some some late series, but um, and I was brothers with that organization, so it's tough for him and tough on the fans because they fan favorite, no doubt about it. But yeah, that's that's just a deal they they felt they had to make, and you can't really begrudge them of that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so we're going to get to some of your mailbag questions today. If we don't get all of them, we will continue that tomorrow as well as the week progresses. But uh, let's get started. All right, since we were talking about Austin Meadows, we'll start there. And Kyle had tweeted. With the Rays trading away Austin Meadows, is it likely Kevin Kiermeyer stays another year? Well, I mean, I you know it's really one outfitter out, one outfitter in. I mean, because Lowe is going to take his spot, so it looks like Kiermeyer is on this team for the time being. That I think they still would be, you know, looking or exploring into whether or not they could, you know, trade him and get real value for him um, with with what represents one of the largest contracts on the team but you know the thing about no matter what you say about Kiermaier and they and you know now they're in a position where they got more outfielders outfielders than they need and you can you can actually and it happened last year where Kiermaier sat out quite a few games but I just you know his his defensive abilities um are still pretty much unrivaled but for the most part in the majors in center field. And as long as he can play with the glove and, and uh, contribute a little bit on offense, he's still, he's still a really good weapon, you know, for them. I mean, he helps you win games with that young pitching staff and everything else. So, I, I mean, I think they, they would have entertained a trade the last two, three years with Kevin Kiermaier. They just There's no value for him. There's nobody out there that's maybe willing to take on him and his salary or his, his full salary. So, you never say never. Like at at at, at any point, if they traded Kiermaier from now, even last year, um, I think all of us would be like, "Yeah, that was coming." But the fact that you know, just the fact that Meadows isn't here really doesn't affect it because Meadows was a DH uh, primarily. He could play the outfield, but he was kind of mm-hmm. a liability out there. So I don't think that affects Kiermaier at all. I don't think there's linkage there. But it still doesn't mean that Kiermaier is going to you know be with the team all year either. Yeah, I, I think. Look, I think they've probably tried to trade Kevin Kiermaier. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Well, assuming they did try to trade him, they obviously haven't gotten back what they believe he's worth. The value, yeah. Mm-hmm. For those that say the Rays are just being cheap, like when they trade Austin Meadows, they haven't dumped Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah, and he's true. making a lot more than Austin Meadows. No, you could say in the Rays pitching and defense philosophy that Kiermaier is more valuable than Meadows in that regard, and that's very possible. So, you know, look, I I think with the exception of Wander Franco, I think the Rays are willing to deal any player at any time. Correct. If they get – they they have a value for every player on their roster. Mm -hmm. And if you can come up with that type of value – They'll they'll make a move. I mean, they did it with Blake Snell. They've done it with go through the laundry list of players. Yeah, sure. They're not afraid to trade anybody. No, I don't think Wander Franco is tradable. Other than that, he's the one that I don't. I look. Would Randy Rosarina be very hard to trade for? Absolutely. Um, you know, is Tyler Glass not hard to trade for? Possibly, although that depends on 
Less well, so with the injury, yeah. Well, the injury and, and knowing that he's a free agent at the end of next season. Correct. You know, any talks of does he want to resign here, et cetera. But you're you're right. You're exactly right. There's no untouchables other than maybe Franco. Franco would be the one guy they would be, you know, less yeah. likely to trade. Right. And, and that's, you know, I mean, he's we've known, you know, that he's the franchise for years now. Sure. And he's finally here. And he's locked up. Right. And they've got him locked up, granted, for big money. Yeah. Mostly on the back end, but mm-hmm. you know, but he he's got a, a you know a twelve year deal that at the end he'll be thirty three, not forty three. Right, exactly. You yeah. know, it's not a, it's not a deal you think is going to handcuff your team. So, mm-hmm. all right, we'll stay with Ray's questions here. And Tommy had tweeted us. So, with the extra inning rule coming back for this season, do you think it's here to stay for good? Because they were talking about just playing regular extra innings. <sighs> You know, I, this would be a great question. We should ask Mark this when we have him on. I, I don't have a feel for what baseball and others feel about it. I think it's here to stay. I, I do, too. The players and, like it. The GMs like it. The reason the reason is simply, like, baseball is, is trying its best to, to, to speed the game up, to create more action. They're talking about, you know, uh, making the bases bigger. They're talking about ending shifts. Um, you know, they want the ball and play more and they certainly want games to not last forever. So, you know, this, this, uh, Texas tiebreaker, if you will, where the guy goes to second base, um, in extra innings and things, I, I don't, I don't know why you would stop that because whether you're talking about makeup games, whatever games, you, you don't want these games to go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it adds, I mean, it's, it's a little gimmicky. It's, you know, you can say, well, it's not baseball. Um, n- neither is three on three in, in the NHL. Mm-hmm. We still do that, and I well, love they, it. And they I think do it because fantastic. they don't they don't want overtime to go three overtime periods. And, exactly, and you know same reason. And in baseball, yeah. now that you're limiting the number of times you can option a player during a year, mm-hmm. and that that do you really want your pitchers? You know where you've got these innings mapped out, going eighteen right. innings tonight. It screws up everything because some of these guys, you know, you know, this guy was going to be the starter tomorrow. This guy's going to be the opener. You know, um, the other thing, the other part of the rules is that um, every pitcher must face at least three hitters. So when you get into those extra innings, it count as well, right? Where you've got to stay out there mm-hmm. um, and face three batters. So um, the games will end quicker, um, and you've got nine innings to try to decide it before that. I have no problem with it, and I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't see why, I don't see any momentum for them to want to end that. Maybe fans are annoyed by it, but I'm not. I, I like I like knowing the game's going to end quicker. And, know, and unlike but. football, you know, both teams have the same runner at second base. Go. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. You know, both teams have the exact same scenario. Mm-hmm. It's not like hey, if we score in the first possession, it's over. <laughs> That's right, sudden death rule. Right. You know, exactly. and same with hockey, three on three. Both teams have three people on the ice and go play. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it, everyone starts from the same. Sure. Same advantage or disadvantage, however you want to look at it. Right. Brian had tweeted, what would need to go wrong for the Rays to miss the playoffs? Wow. Um, I think it would be more what went right with other teams. I, I, You know, the biggest thing you worry about is injuries. I mean, we've seen that last year with Glass now. You've got some young pitchers this year, and so – you're really counting on on those guys developing. I think you're going to need that to be competitive. I think it just comes down to injuries, really. And 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 if maybe uh, you see a surging team in the American League East or, or or many of them, I think the division is still very very good. 
I don't know that the Yankees are what the Yankees have been. Um, you know, the Blue Jays are ascending. If you if you had a couple teams above them catch fire in their own division and then another division um, was fairly easy. I mean, you just, you know, it's still not balanced scheduling. So anything can happen in the American League East. But I, I would say primarily injuries would be the thing that would get them. And, and perhaps, perhaps some other teams being better than we expect um, in their own division. So There's a good can, chance that all three wild cards this year, and there are three wild cards now, right, mm-hmm. come from the American League East. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- last year, all four teams, minus Baltimore, won 90 games in the AL East. That's right. That's right. There's a good chance that could happen again this year. Yeah, so it's damn competitive, and and um, you know when you start getting down to those last couple wild card games, you know or wild card teams, you don't know what the other divisions are doing, and you know if there's say there's two or three really good teams in the Central or the West or whatever, um, you'll just have to see. But um, so yeah, I mean, first of all, nothing's guaranteed to these teams, right? I mean, you know, the race they're trying to do something they haven't done in their franchise history, but. Um, you know, when you win 90, 90 something, then 100, then, you know, American League East titles back to back. I mean, you're a pretty, you're a pretty locked in franchise at that point. But um, you look at, you know, their decision not to have too many or uh, th- their staff isn't really anchored, if you will, by a veteran pitcher the way it was, say, with Charlie Morton um, back in the day. You know, so it's it's a little different. I mean, there's still some areas where you go, okay, well, you know. If Shane McClanahan is an ace, if, you know, Coutinho I th- I think, makes I a think step. it's the starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will Drew Rasmussen continue to perform the way he did at the end of last season? He made him a starter. As a starter, he was is, great. Is yeah. Luis Patino going to make the jump as a young pitcher that you expect from him based on his talent? How does Shane McClanahan handle being the ace? A lot of pressure, yeah. You know, um, what has Corey Kluber got left in the tank? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you start going through this, and then you know, then injury. You know, how does Shane Boz come back from the the elbow surgery, and and you know how he pitches, and and as a young pitcher too. I mean, yeah. You know, the next question, and and we can kind of morph into this. Michael had tweeted, "Have the Rays made enough improvements to the roster to win a World Series this season?" And I'll go. I mean, their improvements aren't necessarily external. It's, yeah, they're not new players. It's, it's Wander Franco's first full season. Yeah, exactly. Randy Rosarina's second full season. Mm-hmm. Shane McClanahan now being an ace in his second full season. Yep. Luis Patino's first full season. Shane mm-hmm. Boz's first full season once he gets healthy and back. Yeah, you know Drew Rasmussen is a full time starter. You know all these. You know it, it's Josh Lowe's development. Um, you know you just start. Go, it's a lot of the improvements weren't necessarily external. I mean, Corey Kluber is an external signing. Yeah. Uh, trading for Harold Ramirez. Uh, you know, but a lot of the improvements are banking on these young players having more experience and growing the way we believe they're seeing, you know, as they start to hit what their potential is. You know. Right. How will and Wander Franco in 70 games amazed us. How will so he was do he doing 162? Season? Yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing. I mean, these these guys have enormous upsides. They have high ceilings, and they've already performed at such a high level that you do wonder, um, you know, if they're able to stay healthy, like what they could do for a 162-game season. And they're going to be superstars, 
And they're betting on that. They're betting on these guys developing and becoming great stars in the league, not just on Rays, but in the league. Um, that's how good they are. So, yeah, that's that's the upside. It's it's the upside of the team. You're right. They didn't go out. They didn't go outside and bring in a ton of players, a ton of position players. They trust what they have, and they trust their guys are going to get better. And they've had they've already had playoff experience. They've been, like I said, they they went one over a hundred games last year. I mean, there's a culture now with this organization that these young guys have have been winning all the way through the minors. You know that they came up together and they won in Durham and they won, you know, at every level they've been in. So. They expect that to continue, uh, and it's, it's exciting, right? Because you're not talking about, hey, um, you know, who did the Rays bring in that we think is going to make a difference this year? You know, you're, you're talking about how much better will Wander Franco be? That's a different conversation, and it's a much better one. I also think it's exciting when you look at, you know, one of the things that Rays fans or maybe baseball fans will critique more than Rays fans. You know, that it's a different lineup every day and there's no consistency. Their infield this year is Brendan Lau at second, mm-hmm. Wander Franco at short, mm-hmm. and then either Taylor Walls or Yandy Diaz at third, right. and then Choi and Yandy Diaz at first, and occasionally Harold Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty consistent infield now. That's right. Randy Rosarina is going to play most games in the outfield. Kiermaier is going to play a lot, and Margot is going to play a lot. Mm-hmm. Brett Phillips will spell them in, in all three fields. Mm-hmm. Harold Ramirez occasionally will go out there, and, and Josh Lowe's going to play a lot. So actually, maybe maybe Margot doesn't play as much, or Kiermaier plays less. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know you're gonna you're gonna have a more set lineup, and we know Zanino's going to take most of the games behind the plate. The Rays have transformed into this everybody's utility guy and plays eighteen different positions in a game, and I'm exaggerating, of course, but to where there's a lot more set positions. You know, I don't know how the lineup's going to shake out, and that could change around. But yeah. you're going to see the same players playing most of the games. Right. Which is a big change for the Rays for the last few years. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that Kevin Kermeyer, in his uh, quest to have 162 lineups, will manage to juggle them. It'll be the same guys. He'll just juggle them around quite a bit and try to get there if he can. But, yeah, I mean, this is... This is not where you have job sharing at a lot of positions, you know. Um, they're all capable in the outfield, clearly, but, like, you know, you know who your shortstop is. You know who your second baseman is. You know who your catcher is. You you know, um, and Zanino will get the bulk of that, I think. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can, you know, and that's cool as a fan. Like, you know, you pay to see your money. You go out there. You knew that Evan Longoria was always going to be a third. You know, like, that's, I think that's that that's the fun part. Um, is knowing your guys are going to be out there. So it's a little different, a little different for the race for sure. All right, we'll switch to some Bucks questions. We have a few more race questions. We may save some of them for uh, Mark Topkin. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple on the CBA and how that may affect the race in the future and the rotation and that. But we'll say we're going to have Mark Topkin on later this week as with opening day being Friday. Sure. So we'll switch to a few Bucks questions here. Harlan had tweeted, Is the co-defensive coordinator as unusual as it seems? You know, I, I don't – I've done this a little bit in the NFL. It's, it's rather common in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, not as common in the, in the NFL. I don't believe – and I'd have to check this because my memory is going. Um, I don't believe the Bucks have had co-coordinators before, uh, at least on that side of the ball. I can't remember. Certainly they didn't have it on the offense. Now, you've had 
situations where the head coach, you know, was an offensive guru and may have, you know, contributed to calling plays or had a coordinator and he called plays. But to have co-coordinators, um, I think that's um, – it's it, 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 look, it's not it, – it's rare here. I don't know that it's it's innovative necessarily. Like I said, it's done all the time in, in college football. The reason for it with the Bucks in this situation is, is very simple. Um, Todd Bowles is now the head coach. He has forever uh, been one of the best defensive minds in football. And he has done an unbelievable job here for the last, you know, three years, whatever it's been. And because of that, Todd Bowles has made it clear that, you know what, I'm going to call the defense because that's when they're at their best. Now, for him to be a head coach and still call the defense, even when, you know, if, if it's an offensive coach like Gruden and one he wanted, he called the offense or Sean Payton, those guys have to spend an awful lot of time, an awful lot of time, uh, watching film, doing the practice scripts. You know, you have certain days where you practice certain things, right? You'll do situational play calling, for example. And one day, you know, it, it might be second and ten, or you're working on, you know, third down and short one day, or, you know, so you, you practice situations. But you have to have the scripts. You have to have the film. You need a look squad to give you those looks. So, you know, each day you're kind of working on a different area of the game. Well, if Todd Bowles now is the head coach, and he used to get in at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning to do those scripts for practice, and he was only working on the defense, he's going to need help on that side of the ball because now he needs to be maybe in an offensive meeting room. He needs to go by the quarterback room and talk to Tom Brady. He needs to know sort of what's going on on the offensive side. He's got to worry about the entire football team, not just the defense, even though he's going to call the defense. So this is when you're fortunate with the continuity. He can turn to Casey Rogers, who has been his right-hand man all the way going back before the Jets situation when he was head coach there. He can turn to Larry Foote, and he can say to those guys, look, you guys split up the duties okay, of – going in the film room, uh, helping me uh, prepare a game plan, um, you know, doing the, doing the little, you know, the, the, the small things too as far as uh, preparing scripts for practice and all of that. But I'm going to be calling it, and I'm going to be watching film as well, but I've got to address the entire team. And things come across a coach's desk that has absolutely nothing to do with football. You know, it's players' girlfriends, it's their wives, it's their wives and their girlfriends. It's, you know, it's just, it can be anything. But you're you're the face of the franchise. You've got a lot more media obligations. You simply don't have the time to focus on one side of the ball, nor do you want to because you're the coach of the entire team. So the fact that Todd is still going to call the defense uh, and be the head coach, and he knows what that requires of him away from those defensive meeting rooms, that's why you have coordinators. He could have named a coordinator, but he's calling it. So what's the point? So now he can split it up between Rodgers and uh, and Foot and say, you know, for example, okay, you know, you've got third and six today. You know, break down, break down what we're doing. Um, you know, the other guy maybe is working on the run defense or the run fits. You know, so you can assign them different things, and it all comes together, and then. Todd is going to, you know, once he sees it puts together, Todd's Todd's going to going to call it. And and I think I think it's, you know, those are big jobs, so I think that's why he has 
you know, sort of two guys doing it. I, it had Arians, um, had Bulls moved on, and Arians was still the head coach. He was going to make, I think, Larry Foote the defensive coordinator. It just so happens Casey Rogers is really close to Todd Bowles. And so in Bowles' instance, he made both Foote and and Rogers co co defensive coordinators. But it is rare. It's not something that I can remember the Bucks having done. All right, Sean had emailed. Now that Todd Bowles is the coach and Tom Brady is here, chances are we'll be a good enough team for Byron to get a head coaching gig. Brady isn't going to learn a third offense, at least not in Tampa. Who would be your best offensive coordinator you think the Bucks can get next year? I know it's too early to think about this, but hey, laugh out loud. That's a really good question because we know Byron Leftwich came close to getting the Jacksonville job this year. This time, I, I think it's reasonable to think if he has another good year, which you would think he would with Brady, uh, that he might be a head coach somewhere else next season. We don't know if Brady's going to retire or unretire. That might be a factor in all of this. I, I, but um, I will say this, that you know, as far as offensive coordinators go, remember, B.A. is still in the building. He's not calling it. He's not going to be on the coaching staff, none of that, right? But the guy that he was grooming um, was that he, was Lewis, was Thad Lewis. And, you know, former quarterback, was with eight different organizations, quarterback to Duke. He probably wasn't ready yet this year. Um, the receivers coach, Garber, too, is another guy that, that might go with Leftwich, so you might lose him. Um, so, I mean, you could look outside and there would probably be a lot of people, of course, you know, wanting to come be a coordinator in Tampa, especially if Tom was still here. If Tom's still here, then that raises all kinds of possibilities because there's a ton of coordinators out there that he's worked with in the past or not a ton, but a few. And, um, but I, I think that they would stay in house, you know, I think, I think it would be Kevin Garber. It'd be, it'd be Thaddeus Lewis. It'd be one of those guys, I think that Bowles is comfortable with. Um, it could even be Clyde Christensen, by the way. You know, I, I haven't mentioned him, but I think Clyde, who has been a coordinator with the Colts, worked with Peyton Manning, could already works with Tom Brady as a quarterback's coach. I wouldn't dismiss him out of hand either. You know, it could be that, that Bowles, who has been with Clyde going back to their Temple days, um, maybe he'd be more comfortable. It's really who, who Bowles is more comfortable with, but I do know that Lewis was one of those guys that they were uh, sort of grooming on the side, the way they were with Larry Foote. All right, we've got uh, more questions to get to tomorrow, and you can add to them if you'd like to. You can do that by sending them to us at SportsDayTB on Twitter. You can send them to me at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. The Rays, of course, opening day is on Friday for them. Major League Baseball's opening day. Uh, games begin Thursday. It's also Masters Week. Tiger Woods is playing. Can you believe that? He's going to tee off around 10.30 or so on Thursday. Unbelievable. What is it, 14 months since that? horrific accident so we're gonna have mark Tompkin on to talk about the rays and their opening day against the baltimore orioles lots coming up but go ahead and get your mailbag questions to us and we'll answer those for you as well tomorrow thanks for listening for steve versnick i'm rick stroud the tempe times have a great day everybody mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.